77 years ago uh, this month, Dietrich Bonhoeffer died at the age of 39. He uh, was a pacifist, a pastor, a theologian, and a Nazi resistor. He was hung at Flossenburg concentration camp for his role in a plot to assassinate the head of the German state, Adolf Hitler. Uh, the plot failed, as did many previous plots on Hitler's life. And so Bonhoeffer was executed. His body uh, never found. Before his death, Bonhoeffer was in prison for almost two years. And he was in prison not because he was a Christian. Uh, he was in prison because he was the wrong kind of Christian. As a Christian, he had not supported Hitler's National Socialist Party because he'd seen the threat of their ideology, uh, both a threat to Germany as well as to the church, both Protestant and Catholic. He was alarmed by the Nazi party's political slogans, such as, through Christ we conquer. Prominent presentations of the cross and swastika were displayed together in church sanctuaries and elsewhere. In his speeches, Adolf Hitler referred to his Christian faith many times and to the salvation of the German people. In one speech, he said this, my feelings as a Christian point me to my Lord and Savior as a fighter. And many in the church agreed with him. But the question, of course, is what kind of fighter is our Lord and Savior? And for what and for whom does he fight? And perhaps more fundamentally, which Lord and which Savior are we referring to? While in prison, Bonhoeffer wrote theology, he wrote poetry, uh, he wrote letters to his friends, his family, to his fiancée, and he also wrote letters to what was then called the Confessing Church, which is a, what was considered a radical segment of the church who had not confessed to Hitler's German nationalist vision of a hyphenated Christianity. In other words, a German hyphen Christian church. Bonhoeffer and a few others resisted, essentially saying, no, there are only Christians. There are no hyphens. But Bonhoeffer went further and stated that if you call yourself a Christian, you stand with the Jews despite Europe's and the church's anti-Semitic stance. And Bonhoeffer importantly said this. He says, the church has an unconditional obligation towards the victims of any societal order, even if they do not belong to the Christian community. Let us work for the good of all. Bonhoeffer said, you simply cannot stand by as a Christian and do nothing 
while the civil and human rights of the Jewish people are being seized by the very government that you support. One poem that was smuggled out of his cell by friendly German uh, prison guards is a three stanza poem called Christians and Pagans, or in English it might be rendered Christians and heathens or believers and unbelievers. And this little poem speaks of Bonhoeffer's fundamental issue and fundamental question to the church. Which God and which Jesus do we confess? Bonhoeffer's own words were these, who is Jesus Christ for us today? Now that answer seems easy enough, but it was not. It was not easy then, or is it easy now? And Good Friday reveals the difficulty of this question. Who is Jesus Christ for us today? And so what I'd like to do is look briefly at Bonhoeffer's little poem and then a passage from Luke's gospel. The poem reads this way. People turn to God when they're in need, plead for help, contentment, and for bread, for rescue from their sickness, guilt, and death. They all do so, both Christian and pagan. People turn to God in God's own need and find God poor, degraded, without roof or bread, see God devoured by sin, weakness, and death. Christians stand with God to share God's pain. God turns to all people in their need, nourishes body and soul with God's own bread, takes up the cross for Christians and pagans, both. And in forgiving, both is slain. Let's just work our way through the three stanzas and then into Luke's account. You could say that people turn to God in the first stanza. People turn to God when they're in need is the continued cry of the crowds at Palm Sunday. Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna, God save, God deliver. Everyone turns out and turns to God when they're in need. We all want saviors of some kind. We love the superhero. And Adolf Hitler and the National Socialist Party essentially said, we can save you. We can save you from national humiliation, from economic depression, we can restore the fortunes of Germany and the church. We can restore the traditional values that you have lost. In World War II Europe, everyone was crying out for help to some God, to some savior of some kind. Jews and Catholics, Protestants, communists, socialists, and capitalists. 
Our pleas for rescue, for peace, for food is universal in times of human crisis. When the bombs are falling, when the future is uncertain, when food is scarce and propaganda and misinformation is everywhere, surely people turn to God when they're in need. But then in stanza two, Bonhoeffer writes this. People turn to God in God's own need and find God poor, degraded, without roof, without bread, devoured by sin, weakness, death. Christians stand with God to share God's pain. Again, as in the first stanza, stanza, people turn to God, Christians and pagans alike. And who and what do they find? First, they do find God, but this God is in himself in need. This is not the God they bargained for, nor wanted. They find God as they are, poor, impoverished, homeless, hungry. The helper seems helpless. He's a loser, not a winner. But notice who doesn't turn to find another more helpful God. Bonhoeffer says it's the Christians. Christian stands. Christians stand with God not people. The mark of the Christian is to identify with God in his pain. They simply share God's pain. They stand with him in compassionate solidarity. They do not turn away from this weak, impoverished, and impotent God. That's the mark of the Christian. And then Bonhoeffer closes his poem in the third stanza. God turns to all people. Now God turns to us. He turns to all people in their need. Nourishes body and soul with God's own bread. Takes up the cross for Christians and pagans, both. And in forgiving both is slain. This homeless, hungry God turns to all people, not just to the Christian, and nourishes them, body and soul, materially and spiritually. But how, we ask, how can this poor and empty God nourish us? How can this God save us? And then Bonhoeffer gives the answer with God's own bread. This is how God turns to us, with his bread. And we ask, who or what is this bread of God? And of course, we hear echoes of Jesus' words in John. I am the living bread. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I give for the life of the world, the cosmos. 
And so we celebrate every week at the Lord's table. We sing bread of the world in mercy broken, wine of the soul in mercy shed, by whom the words of life were spoken and whose death our sins are dead. Look at the heart by sorrow broken. Look on the tears by sinners shed and be thy feast to us this token that by thy grace our souls are fed. At the Eucharist, we're reminded personally that this Christ takes up the cross for Christians and pagans both and in forgiving both is slain. Now, I'd like us to turn to Luke 23, in which Luke describes in historic prose the poetry uh, that uh, Bonhoeffer reflects. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah, save yourself and us? But the other criminal rebuked him, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, and Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here at Golgotha, at Skull Hill, Jesus is among Christians and pagans, as it were, the believing and unbelieving. Jesus' Christians, however, have long since scattered. With the exception of John, we find, and the three Marys, who bear silent witness to his death. But the rest gathered around this place of execution are the unbelievers, the pagans, the soldiers, the Jewish leaders, the gathered crowd, the two criminals, one on either side, also awaiting death. But one of the criminals cries out for help. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. The criminal has heard, already heard the crowd and the chief priests say, if he's the Messiah, let him come down and save himself. He knows the vocabulary. So he figures, what have I got to lose? Hey, Messiah, Savior. Now's your chance. <laughs> save yourself. And while you're at it, save us. And so we find in Bonhoeffer, people turn to God when they're in need for rescue. Save yourself and us. God on demand, for this is what gods are supposed to do. They save us in our need. But what does this criminal find, this insurrectionist? Probably a, cohort, a 
cooperator, co cooperator with Barabbas. He doesn't find the God that he wants. He finds God poor, degraded, without roof or bread. This man sees Christ as a dead end, whose end is as dead as his own. But now the other rebel speaks. He first defends Jesus' innocence to the other, and then he turns to Christ, whom he calls simply Jesus. No religious titles. And he croaks out his last prayer. Remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He sees the same crucified Christ as the other, but he sees him truly. And he wants remembrance, not saving. Just remember me. Me. Nobody else. And so as Bonhoeffer writes in his second stanza, Christians stand with God to share God's pain. This unnamed and unknown criminal is now a Christian. He's been Christed. He's now taken up his cross truly. He is the one who indeed fears God. For he sees Jesus not only as one like himself, hanging helpless, but also innocent. He sees a rule and a reign and a Reich, not the Third Reich, a Reich that offers forgiveness and not violence. He sees Christ not as a dead end, but as a door, a door into life and freedom. Tell you today, you'll be with me. Paradise. Paradise is simply being with Jesus. So Bonhoeffer concludes his poem that God's own bread, this crucified one, takes up the cross for Christians and pagans both, and in forgiving both, is slain. Both. But now we're left wondering about the first rebel, for Christ's arms extend in both directions. Surely the second found himself with Christ, not only in his dying, but in his living. But the gospel accounts leave us uncertain about what became of the first. We hear nothing. But we are left to ask, did he, hear, did he too hear the words of the second? Did he too turn to God's own bread? Let me close with this. This poem and this passage caused me to reflect on two matters. The first is, with which rebel do I identify? 
insurrectionists one or two, and with which Christ and which God do I turn? The Christ of rebel one or rebel two? Rebel one's Jesus is the one to which all people turn when they're in need for rescue from their sickness, guilt, and death. This is the populist God of our self-interests, whether they're religious, political, patriotic, personal, or institutional. This is the God who saves on demand and from whom we demand save us. On my terms, on my time, this God is an idol, as Bonhoeffer fully understood. Can we find ourselves appealing to the God of rebel one? Or do we find ourselves in the second rebel? And do we find God already turned to us already turns towards us as one of us yet not. Who although poor and seemingly devoured by sin and sickness and death, somehow paradoxically has all of life. Do we turn to him as our first and last prayer of the day Remember me, remember me, for I have forgotten who I am and whose I am. This is the God Christ crucified, the power and the wisdom of God, the foolishness of God, wiser than human wisdom, the weakness of God, stronger than human strength. So which Christ and God do we have in mind? Which one do we in fact turn to? Bonhoeffer in a very early sermon in his 20s wrote this, it is a strange glory, the glory of God. And it is to this strange God we turn and say, remember me. Remember me, Jesus. Amen.